Hey everybody, your friendly neighborhood Alex here with a couple of quick notes before the episode starts. First off, we recorded this one live. It's our first live show. Uh, it took place at Momocon in Atlanta, Georgia. We changed the format up a little bit since we would have an audience, and we'll explain that when we get into the episode. But we hope you enjoy it. We had a really good time doing it. The other thing is that, since it was a live event, there's only so much control we have over room tone and equipment and all of those things. And I haven't heard the recording yet myself, but if it's a little rougher than our usual, uh, we're sorry. But we wanted to go ahead and share the episode with everyone regardless, and if the audio issue is more than you can handle, no hard feelings. We'll talk to you next week when we're back with a normal episode, with uh, Brian and Jen and me all together again in one room for the first time in like the last month. So kick back, relax, and uh, we'll let Chase Parker take it away as usual. And there came a day. A day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and no, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. And I'm Brian. And this is Panelology Live at Momocon. Yeah. There you go. Howdy, Momocon. Hey. What's Hi. up? Feel free to talk to us. We like that. Or, or like, say hey. Um, yeah. So, quick show of hands. Who in this room has never heard an episode of our podcast? Okay. Sweet. Awesome. Howdy, new friends. That's actually good. What's yeah. up? That's what we want, really. Yeah. Um, welcome. Here's what we normally do, and then we'll tell you what we're going to do today. <laughs> normally we go through each week's new comics, talk about what we liked. Usually, if we don't talk about something, it doesn't mean we didn't like it. We just try to stick to things we did like. Yeah. Uh, we take questions whenever people send them to us. When publishers announce books that are coming up in a couple of months, we talk about what's coming up and try to give everyone a heads up in case you know people want help finding books. Today... Because we did not want to spoil new comics that came out this week for people who've been at the con all week, or all weekend. And because we thought it would be fun, we have inflicted books upon one another that we wanted to make each other read and have yet to get to do so. Yeah. Yeah, these jerks. All right. They're talking Decided about me. To, they're, all, they're both talking about me. The <laughs> biggest comics I've ever seen. And I picked like a six issue run. Challenge accepted for next time. Come on. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah. No, it's on. It's on like Donkey Frickin' Kong. All right. All right. So let's get started, and I am going to watch the clock for a change. Nice. Uh, we're going to start. I guess we're also doing this. Oh, we doing the, no, we're not doing this. We've never long. done a PG show before. Oh, so yes. So we're going to try super hard, and if we slip up, please yell a word at us that is PG that we should use next time. Yes. Super, super hard, and also if we mess up, don't tell the people who run please the show we'd like please, to come back. Please don't tell on us. Yeah. Please don't tattle. Yeah. That being said, you should also, if you do decide to listen to our podcast, it is not PG. It is not PG. It so, is yeah. as far from it. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about Sometimes. butts a lot. Like a lot. Alright, that's just me. I talk about butts a lot. Do you need to do a moment on the logo for the con? It's a peach. Do you need I mean we're enjoying this? I should, but I won't. It is very aesthetically pleasing to my to myself. Alright. Crisis on Infinite Earths. Brian. 
Yes, sir. Why did you do this to us? <laughs> I was going to phrase that more neutrally, but that is also no. my first question. All right. Why did you choose this book? Why did I choose Crisis on Infinite Earths? Okay, so I know that this is this was written in 1980. For those of you who don't know, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths was DC's first crossover event. It was really the a first line-wide crossover event that had ever come out in comics. Um, and DC published it in the year of 1985, from January to December. It was 12 issues, and it ran the whole year. I'm going to interrupt you for one second. Yes. One more thing by way of introduction. If you're not, like, deep, deep, deep into comics, like, that's part of what we try to help people with, too. So even if you have questions that are not, oh, hey, I can name this issue from 1937 and all these, we love you, we're happy we're here, oh, yeah. and ask us Absolutely. those questions, Yeah, I can't too. do that. The whole gamut of knowledge is wonderful. If there's anything we should explain as we go and we don't, just shout at us and say, tell me more about that. We'll be... Will be your own personal pop-up video. That's <laughs> nice. Is that a dated reference now? It, it, a little bit. Close enough. Okay. Sorry. Continue. So that's fine. Uh, so this came out, and the it, it had a very specific purpose. But the reason specifically that I chose this is because it was the first uh, crossover event that kind of had ever happened line-wide in comics. Um, they're so common today. Um, DC does it all the time. Marvel does it all all the time. Uh, and this is where it all started. So I, that's why I wanted you guys to read this. It's kind of like, um, I think of it like if you're, if you're a big science fiction reader, right? If you go back and read Asimov's Foundation series, right? It doesn't necessarily hold up to the same standards that a lot of science fiction books you may read now do. But there's a reason you may still want to read it. There's a lot of things that came in that that had never been done in science fiction before. So this was the same kind of thing. So... Did you first read this when it came out? I did read this when it came out. I read it <laughs> monthly when it came out. And, and where in life were you at that point? Ooh, let's see. I would have been uh, just uh, fresh. No, I would have been a sophomore in high school. Nice. At that point. So nice. did it like melt your brain? or? It was, actually, at the time, it was pretty mind-blowing. Um, like I said, there's some things that they did specifically in this that had never been done in comic. It's, the big thing were they started killing characters and like not just, you know, the villain that showed up that nobody really knew who their name was and you were never going to use again anyway, but like Supergirl got killed in this and yeah. Flash got killed in this. And so they were, they were taking out major brand characters um, in, in this. And again, that was something else that hadn't been done. And it wasn't a, you know, three months later they came back. I think Flash was gone for like, 10 20 years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. 13 years, I think it was, before it was even mentioned that he might still be alive. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was another thing that hadn't been done before uh, in comics. Um, and then DC had a specific thing they were trying to accomplish with this, which is, if you know the super, super brief DC history here, um, when DC started back in the 30s, all the comics that came out during what was called the Golden Age um, they had all those characters. That was the original Superman, the original Batman, all those people. Um, and they had the Justice Society of America. That all happened in... Uh, those were a lot of characters that, that fought through World War II, that kind of thing. Um, and then in the 60s, they started... They, they, they put out the same characters, but they were new versions of them. It started with Flash, and then they came out with a new version of Batman, and, and those were called the Silver Age. And what DC ended up doing was, at some point they put 
all of the new characters on one Earth, and they put all the older characters on a different Earth, and that started all these multiple Earths existing. Over the years, it got way out of control at DC. Like, literally, I think Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, by itself spawned, like, 22 different Earths with things yeah. that, that they did in that series over the years. So DC had a problem that there were all these things out there. It was really, really confusing. So their goal in Crisis was to combine all of that down into a single Earth. And they would never stop trying to do that again. Well, kind of. But that's a, that's a whole different... Those are all of my reasons. So obviously there's a lot that happened in this, and that was the reason that I wanted you guys to read this. Yeah. Is anybody familiar with Crisis on Infinite Earths? Outside of the Flash TV show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Um, it's a big, big, complicated, complex storyline that has to do with, like, some guy who watches over the Earths and some guy who hates that. Uh, Brian, you probably do a lot better of a job of this because you actually love this thing. I, I don't so, hate it. I don't well, hate it. That was actually going to be my next question was, uh, you have a good time with this? <sighs> I had a much better time with it the first time I read it because the first time I read it was right after I read Blackest Night. So there were all these big poignant things that were happening in Blackest Night that I had no clue, like, how how impactful they were. So when I went back and reread all that stuff, I was like, oh, okay. And then my other reread of this very recently, I was like, man, that's a lot of words. That's a lot of words. (laughs) It is a lot of words. So a couple of things, and I will share that I reread this as part of this this challenge again too and i will freely admit it does not hold up the same way today (laughs) that it did when i read it in 1985 um for one thing all the comics in the 80s had a lot more words in them if you ever go pick up an old issue of a comic a 70s or 80s issue of a comic book you're gonna find a lot more words in it than you find in your normal your standard issue of a comic today um and this was 12 kind of oversized issues of that yeah. So there was a there's a lot of words. The other thing is just the writing was different then. Mm-hmm. Um, how you told the story in a comic book was was different. Structurally, it's very exactly different. Yeah. exactly. Like, you um, see a lot more repetition of idea, especially in the first half of this one. Yes. To, I guess, make sure everyone knows what's going on and how it's affecting literally every corner of the universe. Another, All things that would be tie-ins now. Yeah. So another like uh, another good example of this is like today, if you read a crossover, if you read Civil War two, or you read Secret Empire, any or you know anything like that, you know you're going to go get issue one and read. Even even if you don't start at the beginning, right? If you get into it three issues in, you're going to go back up and pick. You're going to go back and pick up issues one and two and three and read the whole thing. That was not necessarily the case with even like a mini or maxi type series back then. People might come in and issue four, and they just start at four and keep reading from there. So there was a lot more of repeating things that had happened and ideas from issue to issue. So reading it in trade is a very, very different thing. Nobody considered how it would read all put together at all when they wrote these. And I will preface this with, by no means did I, like, hate this and begrudge you and am planning vengeance upon you for this (laughs) Yes, he is. Yeah. I thought about it for the first half. The second, yeah. the back half of this is much stronger. Yes. Um, it, it saved you. Thank you. But as someone who reads a lot of comics, mm-hmm. and like last year I read A-Trade literally every day of the year, 
sadist. It was a <laughs> smog to get through this. Yeah. Yeah. It was some work. And here's the thing. I came into, so I've been reading, for those of you who are new, I've been reading the least amount of time of any of the three of us. I started with the New 52, essentially. And there are characters in this who I have never heard of. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, What's her name? The crystal girl from Teen Titans who existed for five minutes? Yes, yes. Looking back on this now, I'm totally convinced that Marvel Wolfman created her in Teen Titans just so he could kill her. Probably. I would have believed she was very important (laughs) pre-crisis. She has a huge role in this. Um, But yeah, there are entire pieces of continuity that were just... I mean, you want to talk about going right by me? It did not occur to me that Superboy had the same costume as Superman. And reading through most of the book, I'm sitting thinking, Superman is everywhere. This conflicts with... How does any of this make sense? Until, like, the last issue when Superman addresses Superman as Superboy. And I'm like, wait a minute, there are two... That's not the old one. And, oh, oh, oh a lot of people... Two are two different, different people. people. Yeah, a true. lot of people are two different people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, which are featured prominently in this as well. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. This is as a, this is when Wally West steps up to take over the Flashman. Yeah. Was in this. And I can definitely see how this has evolved into what these books are, into what events are now. So oh, if yeah. that was your goal, yep. This is a good stepping stone to see where we are today. It I really would, is. I would never recommend this to somebody as like you know just getting into comics or that kind of thing. <laughs> you guys being as versed as you are, though, I thought you would, have a single time, enjoy reading this and learning kind of that history and where all this came from. Right. This was some sort of vengeance on your part. <laughs> it had to have been. <laughs> yeah, so I'm we not, have this thing on the show where we, where we bully Brian. Um, yeah. We don't really bully him. It's yeah. not like hard knocks. It, we're not being no. mean. We are very we anti-bullying, are mean, unless right. it's us and him. Right. Yeah. Plus, it's, um, plus bullying Brian is alliterative, so it's kind of... Yeah. It's true. Um, One year out of the month, was him. he gets a reprieve. We cannot say the name of that month. No, during not, the show. Here. not here. Sorry. <laughs> but it happens in October, and rhymes with October. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So that, that was, that was yeah. my choice. That was, that was Crisis. That was Crisis. Any, any, Fun. Anything else? No. Any of you want to throw anything out about Crisis? If you do, go to the mic so we can record it. Yeah. So while we're doing that, I'll, I'll share. I don't, if you don't know this, DC kind of did this two more times. They had uh, uh, Infinite Crisis and Final Crisis, yeah. which were both events, again, in the 2000s, I think. Yeah. And tried to accomplish some of these same kinds of things, and I think we're probably a little less successful. In Flashpoint, this. I think, came closer to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Flashpoint, Flashpoint was closer than either of those. All yeah. right. We there have someone go. at the mic. What's your name? James. James. Howdy, James. Hi. Um... I like I know something about Infant Crisis because I watch comics explain comics historian uh, those two YouTubers like I like I kind of idolize them because they like they know a lot about comics and I follow like watching them too because I can't afford comics I'm trying to go to college yeah. like I have some Understood. comics on my Comicsology account but they're like most of them are like the first three issues of, of them yeah of, like literally every new uh, rebirth and that's and I used to subscribe to uh, Batman Beyond the new ones. But I changed. But I got a new card, so yeah, I, I don't get those right. anymore. Yep. And so my question is that, like, I know like the main villain is the anti-modern, mm-hmm. I think, and like the anti-modern is like just does want like just everything to be destroyed, the whole universe, yeah. mm-hmm. and then and then the mo- main 
what's the monitor? Is it just the, yeah, the, the monitor, monitor the and the anti-monitor? Anti -monitor. Yes. And the monitor is, of course, good, anti-monitor, bad. And I think the end is just, I don't know, I like, I like very vaguely remember this. It isn't the, fl like, the Flash risks his life to save everyone. Yes. Yes. He's. Uh, that's that's actually not the end, but that is that's that's where the story really. Yeah, it's like the turns, end. Kind of, yeah. And this was actually what I, I thought that yeah. was the way the story ended. I was shocked when like two thirds of the way through, Flash is dead. Like, well, when he's going to come back? No, nope. <laughs> he's going to return. No, nope. he's supposed to have the big climactic. Moment. Oh, I guess that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and when I was reading the Flash comics for the Rebirth, and like they brought back Wally West, I'm like, oh my god. Because I knew a little bit of it already. Like, wow, they actually brought back Wally West because I knew everybody wanted him back. Yes. Like, yeah. We like old, new Wally, but we, li we love old Wally. Yeah. Yeah. And I know they just now recently did, like, hey, we're Iris West's finally met meets Wally, Wally West. Yeah. Yes, that just happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just like, because I like how they just did that transaction and how, because it was weird, like, because I was either confused at the first, like, like, so was it just all a dream for him, or like, was it like I know it's like a different alternative Earth or something like that, but then they tried trying to turn like oh it was a dream it never existed, but then he but people remembered him and he like and like then he just gets all of his memories back at once. Well, we, as far as the current like Wally coming back, we still don't know a hundred percent exactly what ha all happened right. to trigger yeah. that. Yeah. We've been given some clues, and they're trickling things out through Doomsday Clock and some other yeah. things. Well, and I think Flash War that's coming Flash up is going to show us. I'll probably get yeah. Flash War. I'm hyper Flash War. Yeah, which starts this week. This I last week, the first week. Yeah. another uh, Flash girl from, that was like in Ch uh, Just League of Ch China. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know that there was a Flash there, another Flash there. Yeah, she yeah. actually she showed up at the very beginning of this Flash run. And I didn't know that she had gone and joined the Justice League of China just because yes. I read that book in trade. But, uh, yeah, it was cool to see her back. She's, I actually really like that character. Yeah. 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 If, I, if I go back to comics, I'll probably see her. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'll probably start reading Justice League of China because it looks interesting. It is yeah, it's, really it's, cool. It's really cool. It's wrapping up soon, mm -hmm. so it'll be easy to grab and trade. And yes. if budget's an issue, like, check libraries. Like, a lot yeah. of libraries have started carrying... Trades. Graphic novels. I just trades. just start just getting the volumes because it's just yeah. yeah. Or and the issues that doesn't come, I if I if they seem interesting, I'll get them. I got like one of the volumes with Flash, and I missed like one issue that didn't really matter. It was the issue where Flash was fighting against the like his like all the rogues at once. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Like I like I, for that time, like I thought that was like I would really like that. All right, so who's next? Jen's up next. Jen, my up my next. book is up next. Um, you guys, I picked a short one. You I did? Huck. I got through this one super yeah, quick. Yeah, I picked Huck by Mark Miller. And the reason that I picked it was because, you know, you have these guys went sort of a superhero route, so I decided I would join them, but I didn't want to do, like, mainstream superheroes. I didn't want the big, flashy capes and all this other crap. I wanted a story that kind of was more homegrown, hit home, was all around nicer and sweeter, basically. This book is about a guy who has superpowers and lives in a small town. A very, very small town. Yes. And only uses them to help the members of his very, very small town. That's it. That's all he does. So it's this just really heartwarming, beautiful, nice thing. And I think the world really, 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 really needs that right now. You're saying what the world needs now is Huck. Sweet Huck. Sweet Huck. 
Yep, pretty much. No, we're not doing that. Yeah, so what did you guys think of this one? I had actually read this one sometime last year. Yeah. Uh, in the Deluge. I love this book. It is... Like, it is sweet. It is a very, very warm, comfortable kind of book. Yes. But it, but it's not, like, syrupy. Yeah. No, it's not, and it doesn't ever come across as disingenuous. Exactly. It's it's very earnest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like if Superman had just stayed Clark Kent in Smallville. Yep. Right? And, like, never left Smallville and just worked at the gas station in Smallville and just helped out his neighbors and small, like that would kind of be this yeah. but it's even it's almost even i don't want to say softer than that but more heartfelt than that even yeah. right like well, that would tend to get kind of syrupy, smallville right? for smallville yeah there's not a cynical petty pessimistic bone in huck's body right yeah yeah he really hasn't experienced the world and bad people he's only seen the people in his town which is kind of sad, but really, really cute, too. Well, and the people in his town have never used him in any way. Right. Like, like. Now, in fact, if someone new moves in, like, the neighbors will descend upon them and say, look, here's the deal. We've got a superhero. This is our secret. Please, please, please don't Be tell Be chill anyone. about it. And welcome to the setup for this story. Yeah, someone, imagine what happens. <laughs> someone tells, someone calls the media and says, hey, did you guys know there's a superhero here? And that throws everything out of whack. Poor Huck. Poor Huck. Um, it turns out that, well, maybe his mother was part of a... His origin might be a little more complex than we thought. Part yes. of a Russian superhero program and might have hidden him there to keep him out of their yeah. clutches. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that's what happens. And, and yeah. did. Just, just to be clear. Yes. Yes. That is, <laughs> that is what happened. Yes, Brian. No. All right, what did you think? Um, I, I, I also loved this. Um, I, I, the whole idea of, they talk about at one point where he, he was brought up to live his life to do one good thing for somebody every day. And, like, literally he has this list. And it's mm-hmm. something he and takes very seriously. Not only does he have the list, yeah. he will make lists on, these are my options for tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And there are things like, took out trash for the whole town. Um. Walked up to the drive-in window and paid for the food for everybody behind him for that day. Found the neighbor girl's kitten. Right. They're just like these super small things. And you, part, I think part of what reali- reading this is you're like, God, you know, I could be a better person. I, I want to be like Hook. <laughs> Why am I not more like Hook? Right. Like, there's, there's a moment in this that I, it may be my favorite moment of this book. Uh, it is after Huck has been outed. And a is he the governor? He's the governor, and he's running for senate or something. Yeah, so. Governor or mayor? I can't but remember. a local yeah. politician, state level at highest, yeah, uh, decides he's running for re-election. Is going to use his hometown superhero as fodder for his campaign, and like you do, puts Huck in a tux and puts him up in this glitzy hotel and tells him you know order whatever room service and. Just calm down for this photo op at this time. Mm-hmm. And Huck knows he's getting played and knows he's getting used. And he looks out the window as he's putting on the tux and sees these stray cats. Proceeds to order one of everything for the cats. And then goes outside to feed the cats. Sees a couple of homeless guys. Gives them the room. Tells them order whatever. And, and just as he's leaving says, I'm going home. I'm going to sleep in my own bed. I don't need to. And 
tell the governor I'm sorry I couldn't stay for tomorrow for, for, for tomorrow's photo op. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, he may not be cynical, but he knows what's up. Oh yeah. Uh, also, can we talk about the art in this? The art yes. in this. Yes, oh. please. Let's. Raphael do. Albuquerque, and it is absolutely beautiful. Yes, it, uh, it's some of my favorite. The landscapes in this are crazy. Yeah, and it's a it. We talk we talk several times. We've talked about this on our show about how uh, it, it really is important to get the right artist and art for the right story. That you know, there's sometimes where I have trouble reading a book because the story that it's trying to tell and the art, to me, and it's completely a personal opinion, don't don't work well. Um, this is not an example of that. The the softness and and the way that these are drawn fit perfectly to this cozy, warm story that it's telling. Yeah, and that's, I'm scrolling through Brian's tablet to look up the colorist's name, because oh, off here. the top of my head, Brian's going to look that up. Yeah, I'll that's, look that. So we talk about artists, and Raphael Albuquerque draws them. He may color it, too. No, Dave McKay Dave colors McKay. it. That's, yeah. And it was either him or uh, uh, Dave Johnson. Uh, not Dave Johnson. Uh, who's the colorist? I got he, distracted by anyway. screaming. Yeah, they're yelling in the next room. Um, <laughs> the color work in this sets so much tone. Oh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. not just the the really rounded, soft, expressive faces, but everything is warm. Everything is inviting. Everything looks like it's sunset in the Midwest. Yeah. You know, uh, and that goes a long way towards setting that tone that you're mm-hmm. talking about. I agree. Right? I agree. Um, yeah. If you want, super easy to read. Not a ton of words in this one. Um, if you want to pick up just a self-contained story that's really Makes you feel good yeah. when you read yeah. it. I think. Yeah, and yeah. Pick up, pick up. Hunt. It's six issues. Yeah. It's one collection. There, he may come back to it at some point. Miller might. He might not. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but it's but, really good to know, like how how superheroes can be instead of being these big global world figures. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Any questions on Huck from anybody, or else we'll go to my book, which is, I think, the most absurd. Any of us? Oh, does. it yeah. is the most absurd by far. Yeah. All right, next wave agents of hate. So I don't remember when I started reading this. I've read because so this is twelve issues. The whole series is twelve issues, yep. and it's in two issue arcs. And I like picked up the first volume and read a couple of issues and put it back and then read the next article. So I've I read this over time, just between things as as kind of a break from how sour and dark everything was getting for a little while in comics for a couple of years there. Um, That's and there not to a, say that this one isn't somewhat dark. It's dark, but it's dark, <laughs> it's in, dark a, in a very different in way. In an absurd right, way. Yeah. Um, and that I, can, that I can swallow a little more than all the heroes are fighting and killing each other again. Um, this is a book about a small team of D-list is probably generous characters. Uh, no, they're D-list characters. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who have, before the events of this book ever happen, been recruited by the highest anti-terrorism effort, mm-hmm. hate. hate, to fight terrorism. And prior to the events of this book, the Beyond Corporation, which is a front for terrorists, has bought 
or become the primary donor to hate, hate and is using it to test uh, what what's the descriptor they use? Weapons of mass destruction. No, unusual weapons unusual of mass destruction. Unusual weapons yeah. of mass destruction. Yeah. Unusual weapons of mass destruction yes. on American soil. Some examples of these drop bears. Yeah. Which are rabid koalas dropped from an airplane. You had men in were they called tarot suits? The uh, guys the basically dressed yeah. as pterodactyls. Yeah. Fing fang foom. Fing fang foom is an unusual great. weapon of mass destruction. Yeah. Yes. Um, at one point, they try to take control of the mindless ones, specifically those who reside in the dank dimension. Right. <laughs> yes. The the subtitle for the first issue of this is Healing America by Beating People Up. Yeah. If that gives you kind of a feel for how off the wall this is going to be. Yeah. And by and large, the, the, the characters that comprise this team are some of the most unrestrained characters whose names don't end in pool. <laughs> and, and who are these characters, Alex? The leader, because she used to be an Avenger. And will tell you every opportunity oh she gets that she used to be an Avenger. Is Monica Rambeau. Probably my favorite is Boom Boom, although it may be the captain. And even if I actually knew what the four skull and crossbone expletive oh, they change. symbols oh, they change. behind the captain's name, Captain Blink, where I would not be able to repeat it and keep our PG rating that, that is we have correct. to for Mobocon. Yeah. Um, so suffice time. it to say, when he told Captain America his name, Captain America punched him in the face. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Beat him to a bloody pulp, yes. actually. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's, a, there's an author's note in this that specifically says, I'm going to put asterisks here, and everywhere, whenever I put asterisks, I want you to put a little skull and crossbones. Yeah. So his name is Captain Skull and Crossbones, like four skull and crossbones. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Elsa Bloodstone. Who, Elsa this Bloodstone. is my favorite use of Elsa Bloodstone ever. Ever. I think you're probably right. Yes. And Machine Man. Uh, who refers to everyone else as the fleshy ones? Yes, and has modified. He, he, he is a android who has modified himself so that he is affected by alcohol. Yes. So yes. Basically, Bender. Bender. Yeah. Yes. Right. There you yeah. Go. Uh, over the course of this, there's the Fin Fang Foom fight. Uh huh. The second arc involves a corrupt. They, they are fighting a corrupt cop who is injected by a cat whose face opens up and turns into a bunch of needles. It's a Demi-Cat. To turn into a Mecha Samurai. Like, like a, Kaiju size. Yeah, yeah, Kaiju Samurai, yes. Uh, we have the whole Dank Dimension Mindless Ones arc. Yes. Correct. Uh, the we, last couple of arcs kind of run into each other. as The they, Zombies and Broccoli Men. Oh yeah, we've got the Zombies yeah, and Broccoli Men. The Broccoli Men. Then finally we meet the, the crew that's behind everything, that's running the Beyond Corporation, and their off-brand Avengers led by the Forbush Man, which, Brian, I know you lost it when you got to that point. I, I did kind of lose it. So is, is there anybody in the audience who is familiar with Forbush Man at all? Fantastic. That's Excellent. awesome. That's awesome. So Marvel came out with this. It was, it was a complete and total parody comic like in probably the 70s and 80s yeah they recently released an issue they did Mm -hmm. they did it's called not brand ech and it's e-c-c-c-c-h-h-h um and it is um hmm 
I'm trying to think of the best way to describe Ridiculous. this. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's complete and total fourth wall breaking parody. Like, they will bring in four Bushmen, and he is literally a guy in, like, a short guy in pajamas with a pot on his head with eye holes cut in it. That's and does he have, like, a safety blanket for a cape? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 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 Yep. This, like, safety pin to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, like, he doesn't have any superpowers. Or Actually, he has one He super, does in he, this. <laughs> actually, he does have a superpower, and that is that if he reveals his face, if he takes his pot helmet off, it basically, the idea is that his face is so something <laughs> yeah. that it can destroy everything. In, in this case, it throws every member, except Boom Boom, because he argues she has no brain, <laughs> into some alternate comics timeline that is like just their the own personal timeline. hell. Yeah. Uh, and that issue credited Stuart Eminen as the artist for the whole issue, so I don't think that was guest artist. I think that was yeah. him aping everyone. It could very well be. I was convinced Mignola did a couple of those pages, but I don't think he did. If he did, it was uncredited. Um, and I should say, Stuart Eminen's the artist on this. Uh, this is Warren Ellis writing comedy. Yeah. And Which, it is the only comedy I think I've ever read Ellis write. I, I, I had so. no idea Warren Ellis could write comedy, but he does it really, really well. Yeah. So I'm going to shut up now, and what did you guys think? I, I ha- cause oh, you, I have know been, what, you already know what I I've thought. been wanting these two to read this since before we started the show two years ago. There was an ungodly screeching sound that came from my body while I was on a plane as soon as evil, evil koalas were introduced into this. (laughs) I loved it. Um, Brian? Oh, yeah. Yes. I completely loved it. The first time Machine Man started calling the fleshy one. Oh, my God. I lost it. Yeah. This is, is, I think, pushing our RPG, but... The moment that sells it, I think, in the first issue is the narration over Fin Fang Foom's reveal. Oh my god, yes. Um, in which it states, essentially, he is driven to mate. But he But cannot. is like a kindle down there, and that's a source of great <laughs> frustration for him, yeah. as he just wrecks this town. Yeah. Giant lizard in purple pants, great! Yay! <laughs> yeah. um, and, like, you have to understand how they revealed. So, like, this is the first issue, and we get these people. And at this point, you almost think this could still be a serious comic. <laughs> um, other, than, other than, you know, okay, so they're going to have quips in it or funny, funny comments. But then you find out that this corporation is doing something in this town, and, like, they're up on a hill, and they're digging for some, some unusual weapon of mass destruction. You have no idea what that means. They've told now. everyone they're building them all. Right. Mm-hmm. They told everybody they're building them all. And so the first... The first hint that you get that this is going to be what this book is like is they dig away and you see this something green and then the eye opens up <laughs> and then yeah then basically Fing Fang Boom comes out and anytime he shows up it's you, ridiculous it's going to be ridiculous yeah 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 uh you also get a good deal of that through the leader of hate yes general oh. anger oh my god <sighs> yeah Dirk Anger. Yeah. Um, who is perhaps the most if ineffective supervillain to ever supervillain? Yes. He doesn't do anything. At one point, and this, okay, there is, I guess, a trigger warning on this coming. At one point, he attempts to kill himself because he's not gotten anything done just to learn, oh. Can't even do that. He can't even do that, right? The Beyond Corporation implanted him with a zombie chip. He shows back up the next issue as a zombie. As a zombie. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. He can't even die. He nope. can't even, nope. die. even die. Nope. 
Not nope. even allowed to do that. I don't know. Hmm. We don't get. We don't really hmm. get that because the other thing I love about this book is the uh, the the the. Oh, what's the game you play with the cups and the the like the shell game? Yeah, the shell game that is who is actually pulling the strings. Oh, okay, right. Um, because you get at least two major reveals beyond general anger about who's actually running the show. Oh. Um, and I'm guessing neither of you was ready for either of those. I was. I was not. No. <laughs> no. No. There's a baby Modoc in this book. Oh my God! Does anybody know who Modoc is? Please say yes. Okay, cool. Okay, awesome. good. Somebody knows baby who Modoc is. Yay! Modoc. Imagine yeah. it for three seconds. It was great. It is, it is both the cutest and most disturbing thing you can yep. see. <laughs> yes. But especially, especially that second one. Yes. Um, Modoc, for those of you who don't know, is a flying head, giant head, yes, with tiny little arms and legs. Uh, Modoc is an acronym: Mental Organism Designed Only for Killing. I'm sure there are serious uses of Modoc in comics, but the best are the absolutely ridiculous ones. Yes. Um, the other one I would cite is Alish Kott and Michael Walsh's Secret a- uh, Secret Avengers run, mm. or Gwenpool. Gwenpool's also the first. The first. This is the one in which Modoc develops feelings for Maria Hill and tries to be a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so good. What else do you guys have on this book? Oh, uh, you know, all of these characters get their moment in this. Yes. Mm-hmm. They really, really do. It, Warren did a great job of, of giving them that. Um, and they're all very, very different, but very true to who that character is yes. in this book. It's, Indeed. I mean, the writing is superb. I love that the, that Boom Boom's moment in this book, yeah. yes. very end. The very end, you're like, oh wow, this character is so dumb, so 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 dumb, but she still wins. Does this uh-huh. explain, by the way, why I've mentioned before that I really love Boom Boom? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I, I know that you guys it. always give me this look of. Really? Why? Boom Boom. <laughs> but, Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is an X Men Evolution. But Do you guys know who this. Boom Boom is? From uh, she was Boom Boom was. I would hear Brian's a, explanation. Of Boom Boom, <laughs> Boom, Boom was a new mutant who was. Um, uh, New Mutants was a spinoff that Marvel did for from X-Men that was a younger generation. So almost like the Teen Titans of the X-Men, right? They were mutants and they were relatively new. Yeah, so so they were they were the Imagine. younger generation that was... And uh, after the team had kind of been established for a little bit, this character named Boom Boom came in. And her ability is to blow stuff up. That's, That's the name. That's yes. it. That's, That's it. her name. She also and chews she a lot is, of bubble gum and pops it. Yeah, she was very much kind yeah. of a uh, airhead bimbo, bubble gum chewing. That's kind mm-hmm. of who that character was introduced as. Yeah, yeah. very very tropey. Yes, from the time. Yes, yeah. um, but much better. Now. Valley girl Does, almost was used far better in this than I think she was Ever. in New Mutants. In yes. anything, in anything yeah. ever. Like, still has that same kind of vapid personality, but it works really well here. Yeah. Like, and isn't somehow pointless not, and, and mocking. Kind somehow of. not the worst that's of this I mean. group. Right, yeah. No. I mean, that's the captain. We have not really touched on the, the captain. The captain is, is bad. He's bad. He's so bad. I am sad that the captain doesn't show up anywhere anymore, though, because yeah. he's the kind of bad that, oh. So fun. 
I just want to watch different people take Beat turns him punching up. him in the face. Yes. Well, and he goes through this whole thing of, of he ended up being Captain Expletive because he, was he literally, literally the tried first person. to he literally tried to be all these other captains, and oh. he like gives their name and like he's Get like no, nope, there, there's already one of those. Uh, I had this name for a while, but then somebody sued me, Captain blah blah blah, and somebody sued me, and like all these captain names. So he's like, now I'm just captain. See, I thought you were going to go into how he got his powers, which is literally, he's the first guy some aliens met and gave powers. Oh, my God. (laughs) They gave powers to the first living person they saw, and it was him. So it's Marvel's Kyle Rayner is what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Did you get that yet? That was just for you. That was for me. Yeah, this good book. This good, good book. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I... Uh, Alex and I talked for super, super briefly that I would be simultaneously happy and upset if they came out with more of this. Yeah. There is a handful of people who I could name who I would love to see write, like, a miniseries. I don't think this book needs to be something that's perpetually no. ongoing. No, 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 no. But every few years a miniseries, I'd be totally down I for. I can see that. Mm-hmm. And there are absolutely writers who I could name right now but won't. Uh, <laughs> Who could kill it? All right. Yeah. Do we want to go to questions? We do. Yeah. If you, huh? You got anything else on next week? No, it's good book. Um, If you guys have any questions, please line up in the middle of the hall, Um, and try and keep them a little brief if we have a bunch. But if we don't, screw it. We'll just talk. All right. So, Alex. What is your name? I'm William. Okay. Um, Remember, there's yes, an audience for this after today. After today. Um, <laughs> William so, is my brother. I can harass yeah. him, too. Um, when you said last year that you read a trade each day for oh. every day of the year last year, what was your favorite one? <laughs> oh, pick one, Alex. Pick one. Pick one of 365, please. <laughs> um, we- no, I can do this one. Oh, I can do this. Look. I can do... I will give you a caveat. Favorite does not necessarily mean best. Favorite is the one I liked the most in the moment, and that could change over time. However, this is actually a book that was coming out last year, and that I reread when the, came, the trade came out. It is a book that started coming out when I was like my most fed up with... I, yep, I knew it. Brian knows the answer. I know this. You know the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a book that I was, like, the most fed up with superhero comics in general uh, when this came out. And it was so positive and so much the opposite of this trend towards superheroes fighting one another and arguing and punching everyone. It is about a character who is relatively new, who comes to the U.S. to find her father, and he's, as far as she knows, dead. So she gets with... Uh, people who knew her father and gets set up and becomes a superhero and starts using his lab to get more girl scientists active in the Marvel Universe because she does not like that she's the only, like, one of only two women on the list of the top 20 smartest people in, canonically, in the universe, in the Marvel Universe. And any time she comes into conflict, she tries to de-escalate. She tries to talk to whomever's starting whatever, She tries to find common ground. She tries to do anything but fight them. And that is the unstoppable wasp. Uh, Nadia Pym, Pym, uh, who is the daughter of Ant-Man by his first wife. Uh, 
She was introduced a couple of years ago in all new, all different Avengers. And she's shown up a couple of times in Avengers. There's a short eight-issue run called The Unstoppable Wasp that is amazing. And as a matter of fact, the guy who wrote it is here today, Jeremy Whitley. He's got copies. I'm not just saying that because I like the book and want more people to buy it. I'm saying it because it's very good. But also I like the book and think more people should buy it. Um, and he's a cool dude. He's yeah. a cool dude. Yeah, at, at the end of the year, we do like our favorite books of the year. And this was, ended up in, in my top two as well. Yeah, it yeah. was. This, I think this was my second favorite book. I of think the it year. was our fourth overall, given yeah. the weird math. So that's my answer Unstoppable Wasp. All right. Yeah, and, it, and it is fantastic. A question for all three of you. Yes. Uh, if someone wants to get into reading comic books, how can one do that, you think? Here are. I'll go first, just because okay. I've been... I actually want to start doing some video content for us, and this is where I want us to start. We've talked about this some. Uh, the easiest things to do, if there are properties you're familiar with and like, uh, start with those. So if you love Batman, start with Batman. If you love Spider-Man, start with Spider-Man. Um, if you love... Various symbiotes. There are various symbiote books. Uh, there's a new Venom book that just started. So good. Um, that's, I think, the easiest way to start sticking your toes in the water. I don't think that's the best way to keep reading. Yeah, I think I the best thing you can do is start figuring out which authors especially you like. Artists, too. It's good to know what artists you like, but pay attention to who's writing and read the other things they write. Um, I, when I started reading, that's how I figured out what I wanted to read. And even to this day, if you put someone on a character, someone who's writing I love on a character I hate, I will read the book. And, and you'll probably like it. Yeah. Um, I've got a list of writers who, if they write a thing, I don't care what it is, I'll read it. I'm reading a Quicksilver book right now because Saladina Med is writing yeah. Um Quicksilver. I'm reading Venom. In terms of, <laughs> so that's the what? The how is, if you're on a budget, trades. Definitely. If you have the budget, and more, especially if you are concerned with not getting spoiled but want to participate in online conversations about a book or whatever, single issues. If you are concerned for space, digital's a great way to go. I recommend, though, if you've got the space, hitting a local comic shop. A couple of reasons. One... They are almost all local small businesses. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two, they'll be able to help you find things, more specifically one-on-one. And three, a lot of them will give you some kind of discount that you're probably not going to get otherwise. Um, The only other kind of options out there is there are some comics on Scribd. Marvel, if you're specifically interested in that, has a subscription service called Marvel Unlimited that you can pay for monthly or yearly. And uh, Comixology has a subscription service where you can get, like, usually it's the first trade or two of things, uh, but you pay, like, six bucks a month and can read all you want. But uh, specifically the Comixology one I I like, the Comixology Unlimited, because you you will almost get, almost guarantee you get the first trade of almost anything that comes out. Yeah. And that is a great way to, to, to try a lot of different things. 
and find out what you like. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to transition to, you know, a more normal month, uh, you know, monthly or weekly poll or to yeah. trades for specific things, that's great. But as far as being able to experience a lot of different content, that is wonderful. Yeah. Um, the only major publisher I think who doesn't do Comixology Unlimited is DC. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'll also say this, at Panelology on Twitter, ask us questions. We'll yeah. help you out. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell us what I you mean, like he can ask me, but most of you can't. We, we, but, read, we read a lot of different books. Oh, yeah. yeah. But also, like, just go on Google and find a thing that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Type that thing in and then type comics after it. it it's in there. And I promise. Not all comics are superhero books. Yeah, that's, no. I was going like, to point Like, if that you out. want a good sci-fi story, if you want especially a good bleak sci-fi story, look up Rick Reminder. Oh, yeah. Um. If you want westerns, if you want crime drama, in that case, Ed Brubaker. Ed Brubaker. <laughs> if you want any kind of story, Horror any books. sort of genre story, it exists, and it, you can find it with or without superheroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's true. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Who's Any, next? Anybody else? Do we have a next? I have two questions from friend of the show, Tim, prepared. That's right. Yeah, uh, Tim. Co-ghost. Tim is <laughs> waving from the back of the room. <laughs> Tim's first question. Which artist tells the best story with their unique style? Why you gotta hit the hard ones first? Yeah. That's... Oh, man. I'm going to give the lame answer first and say that any artist and writer working on the right story can turn out something great. That's true. Now, if you want to talk about especially writer artists uh... My first answer is going to be Darwin Cook, who, if he writes and draws the thing, it's going to be good. It may be phenomenal, but it's at least going to be good. Um, Go read DC The New Frontier, if you want. You don't have to have read anything. It's sort of a reimagining of DC characters in their most recognizable forms if they had all emerged in the 50s. Uh, you got. Can I give like three answers? Yeah. For different You're, reasons. We're not going to give you one. Tim, one of them is going to be mine. I guarantee it. Uh, oh, okay. I, I, oh, I so I'm going to go with. First off, Gabo. Um, he he does really great like cartoony style, but it, it always feels like there's depth to his characters and depth to his surroundings and landscapes and everything. It's just all really weird and beautiful at the same time. Um, and then Fiona Staples. Crazy, amazing artist. Uh, her expressions are superb. They're superb. Just every face that is on any character, even in the background, looks so realistic and genuine. It it just wows me. Um, and then Chip Starsky, <laughs> because <laughs> if you look in the background of anything that he draws, you're gonna find something crazy every time yeah. you look at it. Something any, different and new. Any book he draws will take you twice as long to read because you'll be reading every sign and billboard yeah. and coffee cup and, and menu yeah. and book title. Note on the counter somewhere that you like, didn't notice before. And like you know the post-it note that's on the nurse's desk that says Jenny eight six seven five three zero nine. We we will pull out magnifying glasses. <laughs> yeah, no joke when we read. Yes. Books. Brian, what all you got? Uh, I, I am going to quali- pre-qualify mine and say I can only speak within certain time frames because you know who I like as an artist changes from none of us is on this shit. Yeah, none, none, yeah. Um, but I'm gonna right now. I'm gonna go with Stepan Shea. Oh, 
and specifically because uh, he just kind of finished up a run on Aquaman about three or four months ago. Um, and Abnett had started writing with Rebirth, had started writing you know a new Aquaman series, and was it was it was pretty darn good. And then Stepan Shake came on as the artist for it, and the way that Abnett was writing changed. Like he's because Stepan was able to draw so much into the art as far as expression and what was being communicated. Abnett was kind of able to step back a little bit with the dialogue yeah. and let the yeah. art tell a lot more of the story, and it was wonderful. There is a character introduced yeah. in this arc who does not, cannot speak. Yeah, she's mute. And you never had any question what she was, what she was trying to communicate because not just facial expression, but gestural expression, posture, all of it yeah. communicated whatever was going through her mind. Right. Uh, anyone else? No. And if, if you want to see some examples of his work in about three weeks, I think, the yeah. new Justice League... Odyssey. Odyssey uh, team is going to, that book is going to be drawn by yeah. Stephen Chain. Um, here is your asterisk if you want to avoid more adult content. Be careful when Googling Stephen Shake because yeah. he yes. does also have an adult romance comic that is wonderful. It's amazing. Uh, and beautiful in every sense of the word. Uh, but you will find some stuff you may not want to see. Yeah. So there's uh-huh. caveat. Uh,. Who else do I want to throw out there? Um, Elsa Charretier. Yeah. Mm. As does wonderful work. Um, I'm going to kick myself when I re-listen to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you mention all these well. people? Uh, just so, so many good artists out there right mm-hmm. now. Michael Walsh. Oh, Michael Walsh. Yes. Yes. Uh, Cliff Chang. Yeah. Cliff Chang. Cliff Chang. This is where I went. Who <laughs> no, do I have just, hanging over my We're just my listing artists that we freaking love. Yeah. Uh, here's oh here's another one colorists and this is another way. Oh, here's this a, is cool. Here's a cheating way to know blindly if you're going to pick up a book and it's going to be good. If you see certain colorists' names on a book, there's no way it's a bad book. If you see Matthew Wilson, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you see Jordi Belair, Jordi Belair, Belair. Uh, if you see Triona Farrell, mm-hmm. if you see uh, 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 oh darn it, what's her name? She's actually here today. Um, on Twitter, she's at Colorista. Hang on. Brian, name a colorist. Man, really? <laughs> come on, Brian. I'm normally so good Brian, at the come on. You're, you're the you're the You're the person. I Brian. know, I know, I know. Brian. Um, I mean, there's there's several artists who do, like, all their own stuff. That's yeah. true, too. Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> Alex, I mean, do you need help using the Twitter? Laura Martin. There okay. you go. Uh, nice. Yeah, colorists, the, the ones whose names you see on a lot of books, they stay busy and they only take the books that they want to know yeah. they're going to, you know. Who is, it's Image, is it Image that's doing the upcoming different colorists? Yeah, there's yeah. a Spawn cover that's there got like know. ten different colorists working on it. Yeah. So it's the same art, like same penciler, yeah. and ink, but the, they're doing like ten different colorists, and even if you don't buy it, go into a comic book shop and, and look, just look and, at them. Or, or go online and look at the different colors and just see how much difference a colorist can make yeah. on the same art. Yeah. It's pretty pretty amazing. Uh, Jean-Francois Beaulieu, speaking of image, is another one. There you go. Um, so there, those are also artists whose work can tell a story. What's the it? other Tim question, 
who is the best writer in comics, and why is it Brian K. Vaughn? That's not, that's not fair, and Tim. why is it Brian K. Vaughn? It's not fair, Tim. I will say this. I think you can make a strong argument. I think you can make a strong argument that Brian K. Vaughn has a major historical importance to yep. storytelling in yeah, comics. I have two yep. answers to this question. Okay. One is, I, th- I think you have to look at who is the best writer in terms of telling a, a, a specific story, right? And then you have to look at who is the best writer as far as can write a bunch of different things and has had, kind of like we talked about, has had an impact on comics yeah. and can kind of do a bigger... Like flexibility. Yeah, I, I guess that's a, that's a good word for it. Because if, right now, if you want to talk a, like a single story or a single arc or that kind of thing, I'm going to tell you Tom King. Yeah. Because... Uh, mm-hmm. Last year he did Vision. Last year, two years ago. Vision was two years well, ago. It, 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 it was wrapped a year and a half, yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. The, the the twelve issue Vision series, one of the best books that has ever come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, right now he's doing Mister Miracle, and like if you know Mister Miracle and you don't know anything about Tom King's run on, you're like, what Mister really Mister Miracle? If you've no. never read Batman <laughs> and want to read uh, Batman, yeah, War of Jokes and Riddles easy to walk into, like, platonic ideal of Batman. You don't need to know anything about continuity. Nope. You can just walk in, and if you recognize the characters, you'll know what's going and on. And probably my favorite single story of Batman ever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do we have any more questions? Anybody else? Because we're did, about to wrap up. Did you have an answer? Um, yeah, good, good. Yeah. Okay. But more flexible probably <laughs> Brian, Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a Brian K. Vaughn argument. I think there's a Warren Ellis yeah, argument. Warren Ellis is... You want to talk about writers right now, who they write it, and I'll read it. I see anything by Magdalene Visaggio. I see anything by Saladin Ahmed. Venom. Donnie Cates. Anything by Donnie Cates. Yeah. That's the actual answer, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's the truth. Yeah, Donnie Cates is on fire right now. He's great. Yeah. We have time for probably one more question. Anyone else got one? If you not, know. I'll ask you guys a question. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Quiz time. Were you listening? Since, so part of us starting this podcast was pulling you guys back into reading regularly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, What has been, not necessarily the thing that you've been most surprised to like, but what have you been most surprised by over the last couple of years, getting back into it, that you would not have expected back when you dropped off? I did not tell them I was going to Can ask Can I go them first? I already have an answer. Okay, go. Um, I was a huge, huge DC fan when I stopped reading comics. I stopped because I was in college and I didn't have any freaking money. Um, and I wanted to keep reading, but, you know, no. It's really hard. No money. Um, yeah. <laughs> not a cheap And they will not it's give so you not comics a cheap, for free. No, they sure won't. Um, I was really, really surprised getting back into this to see how much farther into the Marvel territory I lean now than I did then. Because I didn't like Marvel, like, hardly at all. I was very tired of Spider-Man. I was just done with everything. And now I'm like, Spider-Man is a man! Frick yeah! Dan Slott's another good answer to the last question. it's true. Um, But then I was also surprised to learn how amazing almost every image book is. They're all so good. They're all, like, expertly curated. Mine's, my answer is super easy because when I quit was, like, 92-ish, 
like early nineties. You've dabbled <laughs> some, because I know you're something like New Fifty Two. I, I read a little bit of New Fifty Two, yeah. but not enough to really right. get into like like really whole arcs and yeah. what's going on, and just. Honestly, quite not, the, the quality of the writing and the quality of telling the story mm-hmm. is so much better now, uh, hands down, than it was in the 80s and earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And that is why I think that Tim's answer is not a bad answer, because I think Brian K. Vaughn yeah. and Warren Ellis and a couple of others were integral to pushing more literary storytelling. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And... and uh, one of the things I told Alex was, I think you see some writers in comics now that without people like Brian K. Vaughan and Warren that had kind of changed yeah. what writing comic books and writing stories in comics was, you would not see them writing. And Tom King is one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, Benjamin Percy oh, yeah. uh, is one of those. In a very literal way, there were writers who were yeah. pushing for that movement who had like secret web communities of comics journalists and fans who they'd met who they let in and a lot of those people like got their start because they were in these communities and just got pulled in like that's part of what makes it i say this not having worked in it but makes it a really cool industry (laughs) to at least watch is the people in it want to pull in as many people as possible they want it to be as big and there is nobody working in the comics industry that is not a comic book fan right because it's too much work and the pay is not that great so (laughs) That's why the first, whenever we have a guest on the show, the yeah. first question we ask them is, how did you get in as a fan? Because yeah. right. it is universally true. Yep. And with that... Oh, that's it. Oh, my yeah. gosh. It is time to wrap up. We'd like to thank all of you for coming. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks uh, for being part of our first live show. Yeah. Yay! Woo! We hope you right here. I don't know. Is there a way to rate panels on the Memocon app? I have no idea. If there is, do that for us, please. please. If not, then... You can tell me and I'll write it down. Woo! Okay, thank okay. you. Yeah, do that. Let her know. Thank you. Nice. Awesome. Oh, Thanks. Yay. Excellent. Uh, if you want to keep listening or start listening, uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, just about anything you yeah. can Anywhere. listen to podcasts on. We're not on Spotify. We're working on it. But anything else, and if we're not, just at Panelology on Twitter. Let mm-hmm. us know, and we'll get listed on there. It's usually not hard. Um, website, Panelology. Uh, you can reach out to us if you've got questions or just say hey I like this book what else should I read we're happy to take that that's again at Panelology on Twitter if you want to reach out to one of us individually that's on our website at www.panelologypodcast.com it's spelled like it sounds panelology and yeah if you had a good time we'd love to have you keep listening again usually a uh, bit more adult content than what you get here today. Yeah. Yeah. So be warned. Um, and tell a friend. We'll do more live shows. We can't announce anything yet, but well, we have one that we will. Yeah. One that is coming in July. Yeah. And uh, we also periodically get artists or writers, or and we do interviews with them. Yeah. So you can listen to those. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. I'll, I'll do a little recorded yep. thing for our usual yep. outro stuff. Um, thanks again. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. And I'm Brian. Bye. Adios. Bye. Hey there, it's me again. Back to do the outro, since it didn't really make sense to do it in front of the audience. We'd like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. 
as I think we did mention in the episode, we're available on your podcatching device of choice, and you can visit us at panelologypodcast.com to find old episodes and submit questions, or to uh, figure out how to follow us on Twitter. You can also support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash panelology, or by going to Apple Podcasts and rating and reviewing us, or by sharing us with a friend. We'd like to thank everyone who came out to the show and uh, asked questions and talked to us afterwards. Uh, we had a really great time, and we'd like to thank Momocon for having us. We hope to do it again. So thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.